Lord, uh, take this river of life from your side, Jesus. You are the rock. Water us with your life. And may the teams, as they go to Africa, China, may the river of life fill Pastor Tong, all the staff here, all the pastoral staff, the teams going out. We bless them from Israel for being such a blessing to this valley. And we ask you, Lord, that you will continue to fill my wife and I to take this living water back to the dry and thirsty land of Israel. Amen. I'd like to read from Ezekiel 37. Some of you have asked about uh, books and CDs. Uh, I think they're all gone, but I'm not sure you can check. But there, we, there are some newsletters back there about what's happening in Israel that you're welcome to pick up that are free. They're in English back there. Uh, I'm going to read... Um, Ezekiel 37, and uh, I know the translators are saying, praise God, I don't have to translate this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you have the best. We prayed before we come. We always pray for good translation. You have the best. Hallelujah. Thank you. And Pastor James that was here. It always helps when the translator is an anointed preacher pastor, you know. <laughs> Okay, Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And suddenly, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Hallelujah. Praise God for this wonderful prophecy. You live in a beautiful valley, if you live in Silicon Valley, or maybe you live in the San Fernando Valley, or maybe you're in the Valley of Decision. I don't know. Some valley, maybe. 
But as I look around at this valley, it's very beautiful. Mountains in the distance a little bit. Beautiful fruit. God made a beautiful place here. Long before I was a believer, I, I used to love American literature, and uh, I read the works of John Steinbeck, and I came here once, and I read The Grapes of Wrath, and I read uh, Of Mice and Men and Cannery Row, and I was in law. I loved all this area. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It is a wonderful valley. Now, you call this valley Silicon Valley. Silicon, as I understand it, is some stuff made by man, and... Uh, I guess it's plastic, something like that. I don't know much about computers. Uh, I do have a mobile phone, hallelujah. <laughs> but uh, so there's a lot of man-made things there that are beautiful. San Jose has beautiful buildings and sculpture and restaurants and all the rest of it. And uh, so there's beauty here, God's beauty, some man-made beauty. But the most beautiful thing that I've seen here are the faces of the believers that have the river of life in them. So as I look around, whether we realize it or not, I have a secret to tell you this morning. If you live in this valley, you're living in a valley of dry bones. There are dry bones all over the valley. Many, many, many people who do not have the Spirit of God in them. And as I was praying for this valley and, and, and seeking the Lord, I was, I've been praying, Lord, Take the river of life and raise up a prophetic voice that would prophesy to these dry bones all through this valley that the wind of the Holy Spirit would blow into this valley and many of these dry bones would receive the Spirit of God and that God would raise up a great, exceedingly wonderful army in this valley. Only God can do it. Because when you live in a place with such prosperity as this and such beauty as this, it's hard for people to realize they need God. It's a difficult place. But God is able if you have the faith and if you receive the prophetic word to prophesy to the dry bones. So I wanted to say to you this morning, go ahead and take Ezekiel 37 for your valley, for the place where you live. Apply it to California or Africa or wherever you happen to come from. But when you use it, just remember where you got it from. You can borrow it, but then we ask you to please put it back where you found it because it's for the whole house of Israel. It is for Israel first, and it's also to the nation. So go ahead and use it spiritually for wherever you come from, but this is for the whole house of Israel. You know, there was a great um, preacher prophet, pastor named Charles Spurgeon 150 years ago in England. London had a move of the Spirit in London. Maybe you've read a lot of his books and commentaries and so on. And uh, those British preachers back in those days coming out of the Puritan movement, they really understood that God was going to bring the Jewish people back to the land and that all these prophecies that we've been longing to be fulfilled would be fulfilled. And we have the privilege of living on Mount Carmel and seeing and looking down into the Valley of Haifa and the Valley of Armageddon, where Armageddon's going to take place, and we're seeing dry bones come to life. It's wonderful to behold. Hallelujah. We live at this prophetic moment. But Spurgeon said this, it's treason to God's word to reject or to neglect its primary meaning. 
Don't commit treason with God's word. It says Israel, and it means Israel. That's what it says. Hallelujah. You know, don't tear God's meaning out of his own words because he wrote it by the power of the Holy Spirit and gave it to the prophet. So that's what it means. This is going to happen to Israel and is starting to happen in the very moments and days that, that I stand here. You know, I hope you realize that Israel, national Israel, is God's prophetic timepiece. You can see where we are in a broad scope according to what God is doing in the nation of Israel. Let me give you a couple of examples. Israel was bones all over Europe. Hardly any Jewish believers. There were pockets of them here and there, even though the church exploded in a, in a, a fervor of the Holy Spirit among mostly Messianic Jews that took the gospel to Europe and the ends of the earth, to India and other places. And then, after a couple of hundred years, the Roman church began to remove the whole emphasis of what the Bible is all about, the one new man of Jew and Gentile and one, one body, a dwelling place for God and the Spirit. And that was kind of lost. But in the, in the end of the 19th century, in the beginning of the 20th, just the very beginning of the 20th century, the bones, the dry bones of Israel that were scattered all over, especially Europe, but also the Islamic world, it was at that time, just as the 20th century dawned and began, that there was a congress of Jewish people in Basel, Switzerland. And uh, there were a couple of prophets there, a British prophet, who kept telling Theodore Herzl and these early Zionists, you've got to read the Bible because God says you're going back to Israel. There were German believers that were already in Israel that had bought up land. And when the early Zionists and the pioneers came on Mount Carmel, there's a mission house, they said, where have you Jews been? We've been waiting for you. You're supposed to come back to the land. So there was a whole beautiful stream of believers since the time of, of, of the Reformation that read the scriptures in their own languages and said, look, the Jews are going to come back to the land. They're going to meet their Messiah on the mountains of Israel. And then Jesus is coming back. So we need to get involved in this if you want Jesus to come back. So these dry bones, they were scattered all over Europe. They were desolate. They were, had absorbed God's judgments. They'd been thrown out of the land because God is the land of God. He gave it to the Jewish people as tenants. And whenever they disobey him, continue by persistent unfaithfulness, he throws them out of the land. But then he who scattered Israel will gather them. It says it over and over again. So here he's, ga he's started gathering them back. And in the year two, 2000, as this was happening in Basel, Switzerland, not far from here, in the year, uh, or excuse me, uh, 1900 I'm talking about, in the year 1903, you know, down the road here a piece, you might say, was a great move of the Holy Spirit in Los Angeles at Azusa Street. As the Hebrew language was literally being restored in Europe, and Jews were starting to not talk Yiddish so much, but starting to talk Hebrew again. The language of the Bible had been kind of lost, but so, some rabbis remembered. But the, the language was restored as the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street broke forth in tongues. And the Pentecostal movement exploded in Azusa Street. In Europe, Jews started speaking Hebrew. And there is a connection. What's happening in the natural is happening in the spirit realm. And so the Hebrew language was, was resurrected. And there's a parallel movement here you can see as tongues was restored.
the Hebrew language was restored to the Jewish people and they began to read their scriptures again. And they saw, I will bring them back to the mountains of Israel. Many of them saw, they hate us in Europe. There's anti-Semitism. They blame everything on us. Let's go home. Many of them didn't. They were very successful. They, they were good businessmen and so on. And so they stayed. They, they were prosperous. But the bones of the Jewish people began to move a little bit at the beginning of the 20th century. And then the sinews, you know, sinews are those muscles that hold bones together. So some things started happening to hold some of the Jewish people together. Let me show you, turn to Isaiah 11 for a moment. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt and Pathros and Cush, that's Ethiopia, Elam and Shinar, Hamat and the islands of the sea, verse 12. He will set up a banner for the nations and we will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So in the 20th century, this started to happen. Jews walked all the way from Russia. I know some, um, a, a Jewish believer, his grandparents, who were undergoing persecution in Russia, which had gone on for centuries, the Ukraine and so on, his grandfather and grandmother walked from Russia to Galilee and helped drain the swamps. The Jews just started coming. They came from Muslim nations all over the Middle East. They were persecuted and they were treated as second-class citizens and held down in Syria and Morocco and Algeria and other places. We have a Jewish pastor, my associate pastor. His father's from Baghdad. He's from Iraq. They came from Iraq. They came from Iran. And so they started coming back to the land. They didn't know God. They didn't, uh, the, some of them were now reading the scriptures, were getting familiar with the things of God, but they came back to the land because the Holy Spirit was doing this move and the sinews were starting to come together. They invented what became called the movement of the kibbutz, these collective farms all over Galilee. They bought up land, they drained the swamps, and then we still have kibbutzim, we call them, in Israel where people live together. They did not know God. A lot of them were very secular but they sensed they needed to go back to the land of their inheritance and there they could dwell in safety, ho hopefully. So the sinews were coming together. In 1917, two, you know, four, uh, 14 years or so after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street, the Second World War, when it exploded, in, I mean the First World War, the British expeditionary forces, the British army, which were, were British, British people, there were Jews in the army, British Jews were in the army, and New Zealanders and Australians, they came across Africa and they came into what was then Palestine. And as they came up into Palestine to Beersheba, uh, they ran out of water. And the general was a man named General Allenby. He was a Bible believer. He rode his horse. He read the scriptures and realized that the, the Germans and the Turks, the Muslims, controlled Palestine, that the Jews needed to come back to Palestine because Jesus was going to come back when the Jews met him on the mountains of Israel. And so as he read all these things, they came to Beersheba. They ran out of water. The army was going to die. The horses were going to die. And these Australian and New Zealanders who had brought their own horses all the way to Africa from New Zealand and Australia, you know those guys that pinned up their hats and they, you know those guys? Well, they came to General Allenby 
And they said, I know, we know that the Turks, the Muslims, and the Germans are all entrenched there, have deep, deep trenches, and they have machine guns, a couple airplanes. But uh, General, this afternoon, we'd like to ride into those machine guns, and we'll have water, we'll get, we'll get to Isaac's Wells by, by before dark. You know, it's the place where Isaac's Wells were. Beersheba means seven wells. So they did. In three lines, in three battle lines, I've seen a picture of it, a German in the trenches took a picture of these three lines of riders riding at them, and they were totally surprised. They rode right into the machine guns. They jumped over the trenches. A lot of them died there. You can go to Beersheba. You'll see the British cemetery. The, the Germans fled. The, the Muslims fled. And by dinner time, the horses and the soldiers had water, and Beersheba had been liberated. And by the time they came up to a few days later to Jerusalem, they'd all left. The Germans had left. The, the, and Allenby, he... he rode into Jaffa Gate, he got off his horse at Jaffa Gate, and he said, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came in here on a donkey, and I'm walking in here. And the Lord liberated Jerusalem, hallelujah. And up on where we live, on Mount Carmel, the last cannon, the last Muslim cannon in, in 1917, which was then Palestine, that's where the battle was. British soldiers died right where I, where I live, I pray up there, right where that cannon is, and they were gone. And so... Palestine was liberated and it was given as a mandate to the British people by the League of Nations to create a homeland for the Jewish people and within a few years the government changed their policies they needed Arab oil they turned against the Jews and they stopped at Haifa port where we live they stopped well over a million Jews the most famous being the Exodus movie the story you've probably seen it Three or four thousand Jews uh, perished that were on the, 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 the pilot of the, the captain of that ship still alive. I've seen him, you know, heard him talk, tell the story. And back went all these Jews to the concentration camps. So you see, as God was gathering his people and as the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles, it went from Azusa Street to Wales to South Korea. It, the, the, the Holy Spirit was moving all across the land, but the enemy was trying to stop what God was doing with the Jewish people because until the Jews come back to the land and meet their Messiah, he's not coming back. So we're in this war zone. So the sinews were coming together. That he who scatters Israel will gather him. And we, ha we sit there on Mount Carmel. We watch the Russians come back from Odessa. And we hear them speaking, go swimming in the Mediterranean. And they're speaking Russian. And we go, hallelujah, it says, I will bring them back from the north. And here they come. We live right in the midst of, of how this is happening now. And so the flesh... In 1948, the sinews were coming together. Then the flesh came together. All of a sudden, in 1948, there was a nation of Israel. It was totally miraculous. You read the history. Harry Truman was praying about it. He, was a, he taught Bible school. He was a Baptist. And his tailor, a Jewish tailor, kept telling him about God's purposes for Israel. And for the first time in history, America and Russia agreed on something. And all of a sudden, there was a nation of Israel. The people were back in the land, and they had national sovereignty for the first time since in 2,500 years. It was miraculous, but it was the flesh coming together. All of a sudden, there were universities, there were infrastructure, there, was, there were schools, there were roads, there were highways. And of course, as soon as they declared their independence, what happened? Five Arab armies attacked. The Arabs did not accept the partition plan of the United Nations in 1948. 
Israel miraculously survived hanging onto a little piece of land on the edge of the desert, but at least the nation was intact again. And it says in, in uh, Jeremiah 31, 36, that Israel will be a nation before me forever. So the nation was established. And I'm here to tell you this morning that in, especially in Europe, but also in America, and especially Western nations, the nation of Israel, there are intelligentsia and university professors and media people, even heads of denominations and nominal Christians and so on, that are trying to delegitimize the nation of Israel, that we don't have a right to exist. It's not just the Iranian president who says, I'll wipe them off the map with a uh, nuclear weapon. So we're in a battle for survival in Israel, and it's a spiritual battle because the enemy does not want the Jews to return in the full number and turn to Jesus because then he's, uh, his time is over. So that's why the, we're at the eye of the storm. I had to check the news this morning. Has anything broken out by Hezbollah? If so, I wouldn't be here. I'd be at the airport. I'd be going home. Because we're right in the middle of what God is doing and the enemy is furious. So the flesh came together. We have a democracy. We have elections. We have, you know, in the Middle East, you know, of all places. And as 1948, as these things were happening and the Pentecostal movement had spread all over the world, what happened in America? What happened in the body of Christ? The great healing evangelists, Billy Graham and his tremendous crusades, the great move of the Spirit. Oral Roberts and many, many of the others. So you can see as God is dealing with his people Israel and bringing them back and dealing with them in the natural, you can see a parallelism in the body of Messiah. And it's wonderful when you see it and when, when you behold it. And so in 1948, all of this happened. The skin then started to come together. First it was the bones, then the sinews, then the flesh, and then the skin. I'm going to read you Luke 21, 24. Maybe you can put it up there. Luke 21, 24. It says, Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. It's Luke 21, 24. In 1967, it was 40 years ago, a week or so ago, June 6th, June 6th and June 7th, we happened to speak in a conference in Jerusalem. June 6, 1940, 1967, the Jewish army broke into the old city of Jerusalem, got to the Western Wall where they hadn't been allowed to pray by Muslims, by Jordan for years and years and years, and miraculously, Jerusalem was reunited. It was completely miraculous when you read the history of it. The Jews didn't even want to fight for, for, for the old city. They asked, they asked Jordan to stay out of it. But Jordan started bombarding West Jerusalem, and so they had to go in and defend their people. And when we spoke in, in Jerusalem a couple weeks ago, when, it's, uh, you know, honoring the, f the uh, 40th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, there's a the famous picture of the Six-Day War of three young soldiers looking at the wall. Maybe you've seen it. It's gone around the world for 40 years in Time magazine. These three young guys, like, we're back. We're at the wall, the place we prayed about for centuries. And all across the land, it was on the radio, Jews wept. They knelt down. God brought us back to Jerusalem. We're in Jerusalem again. The times of the Gentiles had been fulfilled. The Jordanians basically just ran away, left their, left their jeeps and their weapons and just went back to Jordan. The Lord did it. And as, as these men saw this, you know, 
at this conference we were doing in Jerusalem, when I spoke on that very night, we invited those three soldiers. They're now old men. One of them's a doctor, and they came. I wish I had their, I should have brought their picture and put it up there. And they brought their children, they brought their wives, and they stood there and told us, the one of them, the doctor that spoke some English, said, we didn't even want to be there. And I had a toothache the night before, and I went to a dentist, and he said, listen, I'll give you free dental care if you take the Western Wall tomorrow. And he said, and, and somehow we did it. We, we were there. He was so, he, I mean, he, he knew it was God. We're all worshiping the Lord, you know, we're all these charismatic singing, and they're in there waving, they don't know exactly what we're doing, but, but praise God, the Holy Spirit was all over them. It was very moving and very touching. And so the, the, the skin is coming together. Back to the land, back to the place of prayer. Finally, the Jews, every wedding, they break a glass and they say, if I forget the old Jerusalem, may my right hand be withered. Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Koran. It's 300 times in your Bible. Jerusalem is important to the Lord because the Jesus, Jesus is coming back to the Mount of Olives. He's not coming back to an Islamic state. I hope you realize that. Hallelujah. He's coming back when the Jewish people turn to him. The battle is over the truth of the Bible. And we need to be biblically correct, not politically correct. And it's going to be much, much more difficult. It is now, probably. So here they were reunified after 2,500 years. They had been run over by the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Marmadukes and Marmalukes and the... Greeks and the Romans and the Crusaders and the Muslims and the Germans and the Turks and the French and the, and the British and everybody had run all over Jerusalem. But finally, it was reunified as the capital of the nation of Israel. Praise God. Now, 40 years ago, in the summer of 1967, how many of you were not alive? Raise your hands. Look at all these. Hallelujah. All right, you should have been here. <laughs> because in San Francisco, in Golden Gate Park, on Haight-Ashbury, she went there not long after that, there was a movement called the Summer of Love. It was free love, it was free sex, it was anarchy, it was wildness, it was wild music. It started in San Francisco. It swept the, all of California. It was called the, and then the Holy Spirit penetrated, and it's called the Jesus Movement. And so as this happened in Jerusalem, this is what happened in your neck of the woods. You see, spiritually, God's working on the Jewish people. The enemy's trying to wreck America with all these drugs and every, everything, anarchy and everything else. You know, I know somebody sitting in this place who tried to blow up the administration building at the at the uh, University of Michigan, but I won't mention her name. A lot of us were involved in this stuff. But lo and behold, you know what happened? Jews started getting saved by the hundreds. This, Jerusalem was reunited. The Jesus movement break out, broke out. Jews all over America were going to the desert, living in caves, they were planting stuff in New Mexico, being, saying, look at beans, I'm a vegetarian, I'm trying to find God. Oh, you, it's not funny, they were, looking, they were looking for God, amen? And look, a lot of them found God. Hallelujah. 
Some of you might know Pastor Peter Sukahiro, who pastors with me. He's the only Japanese-American-Israeli that I know. He's married to a Jewish woman from Long Island. They dropped out of the, their Ivy School League uh, the school. They went to live in the desert. Peter had long hair and called himself Chief Tom Tree or something. I don't know. They were smoking pale. I don't know what they were doing. But Rita, his Jewish wife, was hitchhiking. Somebody picked her up in a pickup truck, took her to a coffee house called Beit Shalom. She heard a guy testify about Jesus, and she got saved in the desert, a Jew. And it happened all through the, the whole Jesus movement. Jew after Jew after Jew got saved. And you can see the hand of God in all of this. It's prophetic. This moment is that it, it is prophetic. The very fact that we, I know that why we're here in San Francisco, part of the reason is because God wants people in this area, in Northern California, to hear this message because it's important to you. And it will bring revival to your area if you will get a hold of. We will cry out for the fullness of Israel so that God can move in San Francisco or Silicon Valley and all the rest of this beautiful area. Hallelujah. We need your prayers and you need us to stand with you. God's going to do it with Jew and Gentile in one body. And so as this was happening, 1967, what else happened? The charismatic movement exploded. All of a sudden, people were speaking in tongues. Miracles were happening. David Wilkers, my spiritual father, went to a Duquesne University and all these Catholics started speaking in tongues. I mean, the Holy Spirit just hit the place. And it started, you can see as God is dealing with the Jews, getting them to back to the land, dealing with the sinews and their, their bonds and bringing them together as one people and so on. And as the flesh is being, being restored and as the, as the skin is being restored, the charismatic movement, the Jesus movement, after 40 years, hallelujah, here it is 40 years later. So where do we go from here? There's 40 years in the desert. This has been awesome, but it's still the desert. It's not enough. Praise God for what he's doing here. Praise God for what he's doing in Israel. Praise God for the early rain. But we need a Joshua generation after 40 years that will go in and take the full promises of God for California, for America, for Africa, and for Israel. That's what God is looking for. Joshua's and Caleb's who will say, yes, there's giants in Silicon Valley, but we are well able to take it because the Holy Spirit is with us. And we will pray for Israel. We'll pray for the Middle East. It's not just about us. It's about, it's about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will impact the whole world. Because when the Jews turn to Jesus, it will be life from the dead. It will be a revival that the world has never seen anything like it. And we're moving toward it. Will you be part of it? Will you be a Joshua? Will you be an Elisha? Will you be, will you be a, a, a Timothy? Will you pick up the banner that the fathers are handing and say, Hallelujah! Look, I want to be part of it too. I'm a father. Praise God. We all need to be crying out, Lord, send your spirit to the Bay Area, to the Silicon Valley, to this area now because we will stand with your people Israel because we see what you're doing and they need our prayers. Now, chapter 37, verse 7 of Ezekiel. I guess you can see I get excited about this. I hope you do. Hallelujah. You know, the way this Jew got saved, the way this Jew got saved, the way that Jew got saved, any other Jewish people here? It's all miraculous. 
It's totally miraculous because there's a veil over the Jewish people's heart. God put it there. But the Christians made the veil thicker by Christian anti-Semitism, by the Crusades, burning the Jews in the synagogue, in, in the great synagogue in Jerusalem, and walking around as the, as the Jews died, holding up crosses and singing, Christ, we adore thee. Jews know that. So it's, you're supposed to provoke the Jews to jealousy and show them mercy and show them love and pray so they know what the true Jesus is all about. That's what it takes. It's going to take the Gentile church mobilizing itself to say, we have a debt to the Jewish people. They gave us the patriarchs. They gave us the Bible. They gave us the Messiah. Hallelujah. And, and because of that, we have eternal life through what came to the Jewish people. So chapter 37, verse 7. Suddenly a rattling. We are in a season of suddenly. Where I live, it is sudden. All of a sudden you're having dinner at last July at House of Victory, our drug and rehab center for Jews and Arabs. There's an explosion. We look up on Mount Carmel, it's on fire. The rocket it hit Haifa. We live in a season, we live in a neighborhood of sudden. If you don't think it's sudden, if you had been at the airport in Scotland yesterday and you saw what happened and you witnessed that, you know all of a sudden it's sudden. We are in a season of technology that makes things instantaneous. Good things and bad things. We are in a season where things are rapidly moving and moving. That's why it's so important to go out and preach the gospel, to take it to Africa, to take it to China, to take it to Israel, to take it to Silicon Valley, because it's now. The time is getting short. Forty years are up. Hallelujah. But now we need to move into the fullness of the Jubilee. You know, the, the Scripture says, this Jesus said, this generation shall not pass away when he's talking for, in Luke chapter 21. It's this generation. I believe it's us. No one else has seen uh, Jerusalem reunified. No one else has seen the Jews come back to the land. It's this generation. It's us. Hallelujah. So this will be, if you look at... Uh, Exodus 30, uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 8. The sinews and the flesh came upon them, the skin covered them over, but there was no breath. My brothers and sisters, you need to look at your people. Thank God for the beauty of America, from sea to shining sea. You know, it's a beautiful nation. I fly over it and I look down and it, it, I, it touches me. You know, I'm an American. I'm an Israeli, but I... Grew up in America. And you see the, the prosperity and the blessing on America. But you need to look at the people and see there's no breath. There's no spirit. You look at the waitress that brings you your, your, your Starbucks or whatever. There's no breath. She's, praise God, she's going to school, working hard, and wants to get ahead. You know, the desperation of people two days ago to stay up all night for two nights to get an iPhone. And now they're all complaining that they can't hook them up. <laughs> I wonder if it, the Lord's involved in this. I don't know. But wouldn't it be something if American people were desperate for Jesus like that? Oh, hallelujah. But we need to look at our people and lo Jesus loves Silicon Valley. We can't point the finger at them. They need to know Jesus. It's not easy 
especially when you have Chinese people here, so many Chinese people who are so brilliant. You know? I mean, highly motivated, going to universities, getting degrees, working in, in you know, it's, it's amazing. You put me to shame. I go, wow, look at the way. How do you reach somebody like that who's just trying to, you know, get more information and be, get more iPods and work for Steve Jobs or get Apple, I, whatever. But they need Jesus. And we need to see that we need to prophesy to them and believe that the breath of the life of God will come into them, these dry bones. Hallelujah. 1990. 1991. We're living on Mount Carmel. Many had prophesied the Soviet Union was going to collapse and everybody said they were crazy. They went to churches all over America. They went to, into Europe and said, Who, what? Communism collapsed? Who are you kidding? Poof! The Lord blew the wall down. Communism collapsed. A million Jews came back to Israel. I'll bring them back from the north. We watched them come. And they're all open to the Lord all over the mountains of Israel. You can't keep up with it. The fruit is falling off the trees. I talked to our, our Russian-speaking evangelist. I don't know how to reach them. Go get them. Hallelujah. Reach them, reach them any way you can. They've never had a Bible to read before. It's happening. It's incrementally happening. It's getting faster and faster and faster. Chapter 37, verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. If the Jews being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Romans 11:15. If there's the greatest revival in the history of the world in China, while the Jews are mostly outside the kingdom, what will happen when their acceptance be? It will be much bigger than that. That's why it's so important. Karen, why don't you come? Would you turn to Matthew 23, and we're going to finish here. God's prophetic time clock is Israel. We need to know the times and the seasons, the times in which we live. Matthew 23. Jesus was in Jerusalem. He left the temple for the last time. Maybe he looked at the temple. Was his heart breaking? My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. But it wasn't. And so as he looks at Jerusalem, as he looks at his own Jewish people, his own Jewish flesh and blood, Matthew 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Can you imagine our Savior's heart as he looked at Jerusalem? Did he think about all the things that had happened there? Did he think about Abraham offering up Isaac? Did he think about the Romans that would come and kill or take captive two-thirds of the Jewish people? Was he thinking about the Roman armies that would come that would destroy the temple? and crucify almost 90,000 Jews until they ran out of wood? Was he thinking about it, the dispersion? of the, Was he thinking about the Holocaust? His heart was breaking for his people Israel.
And he said shortly after that, what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. Oh, church, we need to pray and bless Israel in these days for the fullness of revival for America or for Africa or for China. So he says, see, your house is left to you desolate, verse 38. For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is not coming back until the Jewish people and mass in Israel turn to him and say, Baruch Abba Hashem Adonai. Blessed are you, Jesus, who comes in the name of the Lord. As the veils fall off and they see it is Jesus. There will be a weeping in our land, a national repentance. They will look on him whom they've pierced and they will, the spirit of grace and supplication will be poured out. You can pray that for Israel. And they will weep and they alone and families and children all over the land that we missed him. We missed our Messiah. But now we see him high and lifted up. And Jesus will return and then the, the Spirit of God will fill the earth like never before. It will be such a move, such a glorious move of the Holy Spirit. But Israel is central to God's purposes. Don't leave them out of your prayers. Don't leave them out of your theology. Get a heart for the Jewish people. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for Jews that you know. Let's stand and let's prophesy this. We're going to prophesy this to the Jew first. And also to the Greek, also to the Gentiles, also to Africa, to China, the other places that these congregations here are involved in, Lord. Hallelujah. We prophesy to the wind. We say these bones can live. The bones of the house of Israel shall come together, filled with the Spirit, a mighty army, the whole house of Israel. We prophesy to California, these bones can live. Rise up, church. Prophesy to the bones. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill your people, Lord. Move in the miraculous. Remove the veils from the Jewish people. Remove the veils from the people in Silicon Valley, in San Francisco, in this whole area, Lord. Holy Spirit, come to Africa. Come to China like never before. Anoint the pastors as they go forth. With fresh anointing, new anointing. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for the Africans in Mozambique, the orphans that weep for the Jews. I thank you for what's happening in Uganda, the prayer movement that prays for Israel. Lord, do it all over Africa. We thank you for the Back to Jerusalem movement coming out of China, the persecuted house church movement. Bless them today. Multiply them. Let the double portion of your spirit be upon them because they love Israel. They come to our place and they just weep. Hallelujah. Lord, release a little piece of our, your heart to us. I'm going to ask you to pray a, a dangerous prayer if the Spirit leads you. Ask the Lord for a little piece of His heart for the Jewish people. 
There's nothing more precious to a servant of God than to receive the burden of the Lord and to embrace it. Hallelujah. You weep over Jerusalem, Lord. You weep over Silicon Valley. You created this place. You created Israel for your glory. Oh, God, would you give us a heart for the Jews of Israel, the Jews of the nations, and for the people where we live. And the nations where the people are in such deprivation like Africa and China. Give us your heart, Lord, a little peace as much as we can stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro in this place. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro in Northern California. The eyes of the Lord are looking. Are there some people? Is there a remnant of my body left that will receive a little piece of my heart for Israel and for the Bay Area and for Northern California? Are there some people who will prophesy to the dry bones, come, wind of God, come, wind of God, and will believe by faith 40 years after the great Jesus movement. Lord, we ask you to bring the fulfillment, the fullness of the move of the Holy Spirit to Northern California as they cry out for your people Israel. Do it in Africa. Thank you for what you're doing in Nigeria. Thank you for what you're doing in other places. Lord, we're asking for the fullness. It's 40 years, Lord, after the reunification of Israel. Give us Caleb's. Give us Joshua's to go up against the giants and bring in the final harvest, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do it in China, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. We're asking for the fullness, Lord. The fullness for China, for Israel, for Africa, for California, for America. Thank you, Lord. Receive the anointing to pray. Receive a piece of his heart. Lord, we receive it. We receive it, Lord. Break our hearts for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and California and Africa and China, Lord. Hallelujah. I feel very strongly we need to pray in Chinese for Israel. Pastor Tong, could you come and lead us in prayer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, once again, we thank you, Lord. Because this all in your eternal plan, Lord. And sometimes, Lord, as we live in this world, sometimes, Lord, we just see... The things happen in this world, but we do not understand your will. But I thank you, Lord. Today, your words are open before us. Now we can see, Lord. Everything is in your plan. 
You put everything together according to your schedule. Hallelujah. And now we are in the great time of the harvest. Hallelujah. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, you united us together. Oh Lord, the Gentile and the Jews were together and worshiping you. And the Jews and Chinese will stand together and worshiping you. And Lord, I believe that in the last days, you're going to raise up a Chinese church, not just for Chinese. For so many years, Lord, we only focus on Chinese. Forgive us, O oh God. And I pray that you give us the Father's heart in, so that we can see, Lord, in your eternal plan, you united us together. And you raise up the Chinese church, not just a Chinese church, but for the world, for the kingdom of God. And we're going to preach the gospel back to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We'll join hands together. We're all a church together. And indeed, one day, the Jews and Gentiles will stand before your throne and worship you, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we can stand together. Hallelujah. With my brother David, we can stand it together, Lord. In this great time of God, we thank you for the privilege you give us to us to involve, to be part of your glorious work at this end time. Indeed, we're going to see the great harvest in our, with our eyes. We're going to see the great harvest. Hallelujah. And we're going to unite it together for the kingdom of God. Unite it together to prepare the way for the king, for the king to come. Hallelujah. We give all the glory to you. All the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah.